I wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is, is my fondest memory. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave for the love of the game. And I mowed the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, a Sons of Saturday podcast, presented by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford. Virginia Tech beat Wake Forest 30-13. to Rob, how you feeling, buddy? I feel wonderful. We scored 30 points. We won the game, held their offense, not including special teams, uh, to a low number of points. So overall, um, I feel like I feel better about this game than maybe you do based on oh, really? some of your reactions, at least during during the game. But maybe we'll get into the offense and, and some of the play calling, perhaps. But I feel I feel pretty good. Yeah, man. Why don't you give us a cheers and we'll get into our news and notes. Cheers to the bye week. And, uh, you know, we've got we've got a win going into the bye week, which is about all you can ask for. Uh, get the weekend off. We can watch some other games finally and enjoy those. And then get ready for a Thursday nighter uh, coming next week, I believe. And uh, I'm I'm pretty, pretty pumped about that. Cheers. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll notice I had a water glass. I think Robbie's got a coffee cup over there. It is 3 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon. We're doing this during the workday. That doesn't mean I won't uh, talk about a little bit of beer later in the episode, but we are not drinking on this episode. Had to squeeze this in during the day. But nevertheless, we're here to talk some football. And let's get into the AP poll first. I'll bring it up on a screen here for people that are watching one thing that I thought was curious about this route, we talked about Louisville. They went out and they did kind of what we thought they were going to do. Well, and Pitt they, Pitt did what they we thought Pitt would yes, do. I think, yes. uh, yeah, Louisville was just uh, they were just subject to uh, the wills of that uh, that Pitt team and what they like to do to people. Yeah, and Louisville outgained them. They probably should have won, but it wasn't the score wasn't close and Pitt just kind of pitted it up and the, the weather was bad and it just was, I, I said on Monday, like it would be crazy if it wasn't so predictable, you know? And we, we did. So we called it. How many, uh, yeah. we said that was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It was an easy pick against the spread. And what I found interesting about the poll though, is Louisville dropped from 12 to 21 and if you'll notice, there's a team that Louisville beat that is not one, two, or three spots, but six spots ahead of them in, in the latest poll. It's they don't watch anything. I'm I'm pretty sure that nobody watches the games. They 
I'm not even sure that they're familiar with what happened before the previous week, I guess, is what we've come down. What it, the AP poll has continued to spiral out of control, I guess, is probably the best way to put it. Yeah, they've got UCLA in there, number 25. Uh, I, I think JMU deserves to be ranked over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, JMU has played a pretty darn tough schedule for a Sunbelt team. They, they took care of the one Power 5 team on their schedule, and listen, it was UVA. UVA stinks, but they beat them. They But they were really impressive to beat Troy. This past weekend against Georgia Southern was super impressive. Yeah. So uh, I think they should be ranked, but they are just outside at number 26. And and I was referring to Notre Dame, obviously. Notre Dame got a big win. They, mm-hmm. they beat USC, but like, is USC even good? <laughs> I'm starting to wonder because Notre Dame beat them pretty bad. Um, and they struggled with Arizona. They struggled mm. with Colorado at the end. They struggled with uh, Arizona State. I mean, you could make the case SC shouldn't be ranked. Yeah, I think, um, I think we believe USC has very high potential in their offense. That's all we know. That when their offense is clicking, and it's not always clicking. We've seen that, and we saw that uh, against Notre Dame, and that's a testament also to Notre Dame and their defense. But w- we know that there is a very high ceiling for its offense. That's all we know, and we know that their defense is not not very good. Yeah, and if they didn't have Caleb Williams, and this was a talking point this week, without Caleb Williams, is this a bowl team? And and, and I look because and even let's take say they had Riley Leonard. Instead mm-hmm. of Caleb Williams, instead of having the best quarterback potentially in the draft and uh, in the like last season, and they just had an average to above average quarterback, would they make a ball? I don't know if they would. They'd be on the bubble. That's for sure. <laughs> they they wouldn't be in the position. They wouldn't be ranked 18. We know that's yeah. for certain. I'm I'm even more excited, though, about our number 22 right here, though. And Air Force. <laughs> that would be Air Force. Yes. Yeah, it's and. Colby talked about that. He was like, eh, maybe they'll creep up. And I think you said, maybe they'll creep up into the, the top 25. And um, now, now they're sitting at number 22. Yeah, and they are the top-ranked G5 team because Tulane is one spot behind them. And Air Force got that big win over Wyoming. Mm-hmm. I I think I, I said on Monday, I think Wyoming is still the better team. I think it was a very good spot for Air Force. But to Air Force's credit, they've been kicking butt all year, and they got a big win against Wyoming. Any other notes here? I got UNC's at number 10 now after yeah. an impressive win against Miami. And that's one of our ACC brethren uh, and Oregon state up to number 12. And they've continued to outdo my expectations for them. Like I thought they were good going into the year, but I thought they would catch some losses maybe yeah. more than they have now. And they haven't. Yeah. I, the Washington, Oregon, um, game was fantastic uh, absolutely yeah. fantastic i got to watch that 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 ending was lights out that ending was similar to the texas oklahoma game we've had two of those this year just very they got billed as like high caliber games and they absolutely delivered so that that's nice because that doesn't always happen mm-hmm. um so uh washington how about this i'll put one last question out here for you what if you had number 10 versus number 11 right now Neutral field. Yeah, that's UNC and Alabama for the listeners. 
Jeez. I mean, UNC has not shown a ton of flaws. And the weapons, they keep getting more weapons. Hampton is a sick running back. Tez Walker comes off, you know, the NCAA situation, starts balling out now. I feel like I'd take UNC, and that's crazy, you know? know? And I don't know that I would have to think twice about it. And, and and on the rankings, they're right next to each other, but I feel like there's more disparity between those teams. Mm-hmm. And it might be because UNC should be higher, not necessarily because Alabama should be lower. That The 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 AP gets really fun right in that kind of middle, middle oh area. Oh my gosh, yeah. From, from one, one to 10, mm-hmm. honestly, one to 10, I think those teams, that's a tier for me. And, and maybe Florida State would be lower on that tier than even unc like you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i feel like florida state has shown more susceptibility than maybe unc has to this point and i've said repeatedly that i think alabama is going to run the table and potentially beat georgia for the sec title and then i just said just now that unc i might have to pick them in yeah. a game against bama so like <laughs> think about that like that- <laughs> that's why and, and that's why i think it's fun when you group um the 10 together and you start thinking about matchups like FSU versus UNC. I might be taking UNC in that game and they're ranked six spots away from each other. Washington versus um, like a Texas. I mean, there's, there is a lot of fun this year in the top 10 and that's not always the case. Uh, And it's, that's awesome that there's more. This would be, the perfect year for the 12 team playoff. Oh, like because they're so it's, there's no clear cut team. Maybe Michigan is starting to look like the juggernaut that they are, but uh, Georgia certainly hasn't been. And everyone else has, has some major question marks. So I love it. We can move to Virginia tech. We'll get to the depth chart injury update. Now Payne actually got the start against wake at the defensive tackle position. Jaden McDonald, got the start at will. So we saw some differences here and maybe it was a little bit of a wake up call for Kelly Lawson and uh, one of the, some of the older other D tackles that have been getting starts in there. Hey, there's competition here. Guys are playing well. Let's see what happens. We also saw Jordan McDonald get in at defensive end. He didn't start the game, but he got in there and got and played well. His PFF grade was was really good. Injury wise, I feel like we're at the best position we've been at in the season. Obviously we're still missing Gallo and, and uh, Jennings and they're not mm-hmm. potentially coming back. I, I still don't know what the final word is on Jennings, but this is still a good week to get the bye because we saw guys kind of go down and miss some snaps in this game with injuries. Guys kept going to one knee or, or whatever. So whether it was Jenkins or strong or maybe Burgos, there was different guys that needed to like a minute to collect themselves. Yep. Uh, it's good to get a bye week. We played yeah, seven games. Perfect. Now we can refresh. Yeah, I think that the timing's great. They, yeah, they, there was there was nothing that looked like it could be really you know bad on the field, but you could tell it was about time for a bye week. It was, I think that was uh, the the timing couldn't be more perfect. I think to give some guys a, a little bit of a spell. Absolutely, college football Monday talked about it a couple times already. Every Monday at nine a.m. I go live on YouTube on the Sons of Saturday channel. Make sure you're tuning in. This past episode. I thought it went really well. I, I stayed solo on this one. Uh, second time I did that this year, uh, but I thought covered just about everything. Rob and I covered a little bit more of it today, but make sure you're tuning in every Monday. We had our most concurrent viewers 
ever so far this year on, on this past week's episode. So it's starting to, I think after a win always helps, but <laughs> starting, starting to get some, some more uh, eyeballs on the show. Pick them leaders. Right now we got Hokey Hustler and some spread, huh? In first place, 43 and 27. That is some excellent records right there for those two teams. So good job, guys. Uh, we got a couple guys, one guy right behind them at 42 wins and then a couple more at 40. But I'm sucking win, man. I, I'm, I'm like at 43% on the year. It's it's bad. Yeah, I am not doing I'm right there with you. It's, it's <laughs> We're, we're just, we're just there to, to watch everybody else do well. That's right. All right. Let's get into the game recap. Took a little while for both offenses to do their thing, but we got to a 10, nothing lead before wake scored on that kick, kick return. And that was pretty deflating, but then we instantly had the, the comeback right after that. And it was similar to what was it? The, uh, the pit game where yes. like the teams were scoring back to back. Like we did that again. We got the long touchdown by lane. We're up 17 to 10 at the half. And then the second half, we really shut things down. The defense played strong. We added some field goals and a touchdown and we won 30 to 13, but I am going to play the voicemails for you guys now. Hey Pete, Robbie. All I got to say, man, is after further review, the kids are in bed. The bong is hitting. Go Hokies. Yeah, what a game. It's Hokie Hack, and I feel like we're back. Really great to see the Hokies dominate, especially on defense. I really thought we were going to be stuck at 17 points. Happy the Hokies were able to pull it out. 321 passing yards, 141 rushing yards. Really good play from Chiron Drone. It was kind of ugly at first, a little slow and boring, but uh, kind of ramped up. Glad to see that we have some offense developing, defense starting to step it up a little bit too. Not great, but hey, it's a Power 5 win. Uh, I'll take it. You cannot argue um, with how good of a performance this was, especially on the defensive side. We're probably not a good team, but we look good. And we got a Syracuse team coming who has lost three in a row. Like, I am taking the... Friday off. I'm taking a half day on Thursday. I am going to drink five pumpkin beers, maybe even more, to make life hell for the orange. Great calls this week. Not as many as normal. People are already in bye week mode. But uh, <laughs> thank you guys who did call because it was it was still a great group of shorter calls this week. And I want to drink five pumpkin beers because yeah. I'm going to Blacksburg for the game next Thursday, and I'm pretty darn psyched. I haven't been yet this year. I, uh, that is, I've, I, I can't believe you, you haven't been into Blacksburg. I forgot about that because you yeah. went to the Rutgers game. That's right. I, I keep, I keep thinking that you have already been, well, I have been, and it's just as glorious as it's been. <laughs> so how about that? <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, I'm already trying to get my list of the things I want to do in town. Cause it's a long day on Thursday. You know, you went to a night game, you okay. know how it is. Like you got to fill the day with various things. So, uh, and, and not, like I've been to night games where like my buddy did shots at, at, at the hokey house beforehand and like, can't get to the game. Like wow. <laughs> we don't want any of those situations yeah, here. That, I'm a little too like old a... for that anyway, but <laughs> uh, if you guys want to get in on the reaction line next week, make sure you call 540-251-2169 and react to that Syracuse game. Before we get to our story of the game and Rob, I'm a, I want you to think of your story of the game while I do the ad read. 
2D Pokies Under the Influence is brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford. They were established in 1980, and they're a locally owned and family-operated business. And that's that's what you get here with this company. They do oil changes, state inspections, engine, transmission, rebuilds, or repairs. Just anything that you need, they can take care of. Diesel repair, fleet service, and they sell tires. And so go go there, get your tires, get your state inspection, get your oil changes, get ready for winter because it's starting to get cold out there. And they have that optional pickup and drop off if you just can't get there from work, which I know I have that issue from time to time. So head to McCoy's Auto Repair for all of your vehicle maintenance needs this fall or this winter, or give them a call, 540-639-2933. Number's right on the screen if you're watching on YouTube, and you can find them on Facebook. Just like that old hooky buddy of yours, McCoy's is a name you can trust. Story of the game, Rob. What's your story? I have two stories. One, in jest, I will start with a quick funny one. But who do you think is ranked number five in the nation in sacks per game? Um, us? Is that the joke? Player, APR. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) Seven sacks on the year. He is ranked. He's tied for fourth with most sacks in the nation, and he is fifth for sacks per game. So just saying... If you want to go back and listen to my podcast to lead in as my preview for the season, I talked about APR. He put up four in this game, obviously skewing the numbers heftily <laughs> upwards. But I will say in total and total per game, he is uh, ranked tied for fourth and fifth in the nation. Anyway. I think I think Don V said uh, on Twitter, like he cooked the books versus Wick. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a good way to put it. If, well, even if he, listen, even if he only got one sack in that game, he'd still be up in like the twenty top twenty five probably. Mm-hmm. So let's let's leave it. The other the other three sacks we can we can throw those out. Uh, story of the game for me was turnovers and uh, turnovers and a lot of passing yards. Uh, but I, um, and I'm I'm very curious as we get into the details here. Your thoughts on the run versus the pass and the mm-hmm. scheme and things like that and but um three turnovers two fumble uh recoveries and an interception from canteen which was uh, critical in this game oh man that was uh, a great interception a very very just he stepped right in front he read it the entire way to the outside down the left uh the left sideline beautiful so uh very opportunist opportunistic turnovers uh a good success rate i think we scored on both of those if i'm not mistaken the two fumble recoveries mm-hmm. and um and and i think kyron drones throwing the ball granted he got some help from his receivers but we'll talk about that as well and, and jalen lane and and what he did for him yeah and i know those weren't all of your stories but you were kind of you kind of just give me a recap of the game there and, yeah those are- and particularly in the beginning the turnovers were a big story of this game because that's not something we had been doing at a great clip last season and even maybe into the early parts of this season, we're having a harder time with it, but we're starting to force a lot of fumbles and that's, that that's awesome to see. I thought the defense really swarmed in this game and that was, I saw it early and then it kept continuing where it wasn't just one guy getting to the ball carrier. It was multiple guys. And that's something we have not seen much this year. And so I, that was, that was my story is the swarming defense and shutting wake down. 
uh, was a big one. And of course, the continued development of Chiron drones. I'm sorry. Let me let me get this right right off the bat because on Monday, uh, I must have said Chiron 30 times, and Andy Bitter went on TSL later in the day on and and said like it's it's Chiron like Byron, yeah. and so. That's my bad. And I got like three YouTube comments saying like, you're saying it wrong. So, <laughs> so everyone with the hindsight of hearing what Andy Bitter had to say, I will start to say Chiron. It's a, I, I'll, I'll probably make a mistake here and there, but it's Chiron. And I know that. And uh, he played great. Let's, yeah. let's talk about the offense. Uh, and if you, do you want to hit his numbers first and just. Yeah. How, because how it brings out something third. So we had 30 points uh, in the game. We passed the ball 29 times. We ran it 36 times, which would seem like a relatively balanced attack, except for the fact that Kyron drones uh, ran it 15 of the times of those 36. So your actual running backs only got touches on it about 21 times in kind of a traditional running stat versus passing uh, stat. But 321 yards in the air, 11.1 yards per attempt not too shabby 20 for 29 with two touchdowns and zero interceptions a nice nice stat line i think uh and the leading yeah. rusher on the team yeah i mean it, what i thought was so weird afterwards and i commented on this his qbr was under 50 and then which didn't just it didn't make any sense and then the pff grade comes out and it's the fourth highest among p5 qbs and i'm like that is more like it yeah. <laughs> that's that's what it's supposed to be cuz he played great it was the most passing yards by VT quarterback versus an FBS team since BC in 2019, which was the first game of the season, which we lost. And that was Ryan Willis passing in that game. But think about how, how many games that is since we've had that many yards. And the 20 for 29 you mentioned, that's just about 70% completion. It was 69, so that's nice. But <laughs> but it but it's it's very close to that 70 number which Drake May had hit every week prior to this week. Yeah. And no interceptions and no turnovers in this game. I know he had a fumble I think on an exchange, but yeah. we we kept it and so a clean sheet from him in that regard. He became only the third V2 quarterback to throw for 300 and run for 50. And that got said on the broadcast, the third quarterback Evans did it in 2016 twice and Randall did it. So the company he's starting to keep, whether it was the five touchdowns a couple weeks ago and this stat here, there's just not many guys in the history of Virginia tech that have done what he has shown to be capable of doing in a very short amount of starts. Yes. And the, the running is more natural ability that I think you can get off the ground with pretty quickly and you don't need as many reps to do the passing. You don't. And he is only in his fifth. That was his fifth start. Do I have that yeah. right now? Or four? Yeah, I think it's five. I think it's five. Yeah. So, uh, pretty damn good. And he didn't play almost at all when he was at Baylor. So he played like four games or whatever. So I, that's his, and he didn't, he wasn't really the starter. So he didn't start. All. Yeah. He didn't start. So, um, Pretty incredible, the development that he's made in a short amount of time, for sure. And so this is the part, I think, where you were referring to at the beginning, where you think you enjoy the game maybe more than me. Because there was some of the text happening during the game when I was sending you. I Early on, I kind of started the game after FSU, going into this game, like, all right, just please don't air the ball out five times in the first six plays like we did against Florida State. I want to see some running plays. 
and they continue to drop him back. And there was a lot of dropbacks. The 29 pass attempts, that wasn't all the dropbacks because there's scrambles and there's other things. So probably had 35 dropbacks in this game. It was it was too many, in my opinion. However, it was working. It started to work in the second quarter, and his completion percentage was great, as we mentioned. And so once he settled in, I, how am I supposed to argue with how it turned out? You know, 321 passing yards. So good job by the offensive staff, Bowen, whoever else is consulting with him behind the scenes, because there was a little bit of talk uh, by Chris Coleman about how much did does Brent Davis, has he had to do with the, the scheme switch? from because we we talked about brent davis weeks ago and it kind of slipped my mind but we see this scheme switch and it's like he might have had a lot to do with it i don't know but we did this one was more of a passing thing uh in this game and you you talked about lane three catches but two of them were pretty badass (laughs) when he hit him you and i talk i love a good slant play a good slant pass over the center we've talked about that that slant pass to hit Jalen Lane in stride and to see Jalen Lane, who was banged up after the first game of the season, to see him run that fast, he went through that hole like an absolute bullet. And Kyron hit him perfectly in stride, and he was just gone. There was not even a chance. There wasn't even a breath of air that any of the defense could get in before he was already into the into the end zone. and. That might not even have been his most impressive touchdown because his second one was even more impressive because he had to make five people miss and right. still ended up in the end zone. Um, awesome. Just a yeah. phenomenal wide receiver. So happy he's back healthy, and, and, and that was foolproof on that play. Five touchdowns in six games now for Lane leads us in yards and catches. Steven Gosnell was really good in this one looks consistent. He's doing he's doing the tight end role. He's doing that reliable role just there open for a third down pass. Fourth down pass. We saw that last week. So I, I love what we're seeing out of Gosnell. Tootin, a little bit of a quieter game, but he did have the long pass play. Yep. And it wasn't his best rushing day, but he had 77 total yards from scrimmage. I mean he's still affecting the game in a big way, even on limited touches. He leads us in yards from scrimmage on the season with over 550 and he has 120 touches on the year, including returns. The next highest non-quarterback because drones has like 90, but it goes from 120 touches with Tootin to 60 for Malachi, wow. the next non QB. And then after that, it's lane with 29. So Tootin has touched the ball a lot and probably needs this bye week more than anybody. <laughs> I wonder where that puts him in the nation. That yeah, is, I didn't, I'm going to have to look that up. That it's got to be pretty high. That is incredible. But I think your point is is very valid that because of what he's demonstrated so far this season, because of the threat that he is, even statistically, if he's not having a monster day, he's affecting a lot of the game in terms of forcing people to cover him, whether that would be as preparing for him to run the ball or preparing for him to catch passes on the outside. He still had four receptions for, you know, almost 50 yards in the game. Yeah. I thought Malachi ran well, particularly at the end to seal it. Like there were some important runs and I know wake might had might've given up just a bit at that point. It doesn't matter. Malachi went out there. He put some nice runs together and he finished the game with a 5.8 yard per carry number. 
Daquan Wright, we saw him make another big play, some more explosive plays in this game. And that mm-hmm. that's probably one of the most exciting things is because even though we had been winning in success rate in most of our games, even the ones we lost, explosive plays really help you win games. Yeah. And that 75-yard touchdown helped us win this game. We we need some those explosive plays and starting to see more and more of them is really exciting. Yeah. And I think if you go back, I want to remember, I wish, I, I so wish that Bill Connolly and uh, Godfrey were still doing um, uh, podcasting and played nobody, but he he was a big success versus explosive uh, in that, what that can be. And I think if it's the case that there's games where if you have like a monster um, explosive plays stat for a game and like a really low success rate, a lot of times that team can win versus the the opposite. You could mm-hmm. have a game where you have really good success rates and really low explosive uh, plays and lose a game um, yeah. just because. So uh, that is an area that we were lacking, and um, it was nice to see it come out because if you were going to define Virginia Tech and what the struggles have been this year, above all else on offense, you would say, I think, or I would say at least, they are not explosive whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. And we've, we've shown the evidence of that, that thing you just said this year, because we've won success rate and we've lost the games because we just cannot get a play good and bad before we switch over to defense. We're still bad on third down right now. And we were three of 12 in this one. We're have a really bad percentage uh, across like the entire season. Mm-hmm. As drones gets more comfortable, I'm assuming that will improve. Because I, I, quarterback is like the biggest thing about third down. And it also, the scheme change, if we can stay ahead of the chains, it would help tremendously too. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, thir- three for 12, that's about where we've been all season mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. Um, almost, you know, we had like a couple, maybe three for 10 games. It, it is not, we have not had a good third down success rate in any game that we've played this year. And it needs to improve um, for this, you know, us to have a good back half of the season for sure. The good to that bad is five for five in the red zone in this game, just two touchdowns. So that, that could be better, but five for five in the red zone. I'll, I'll take that for, for right now, 7.1 yards per play in this game. The most of the Brent Pry era by over a yard and a half, like well, well, our best game in yards per play. And then 462 total offensive yards, most versus an FBS team since Pry became head coach. So breaking some records here offensively in this one. And it's, it's just, it's just so nice to have a little bit of offense. Yeah. And we are, that'll help us slowly claw our way out of the likes of Iowa and some other teams <laughs> of, of company that we do not want to be mixed in with. I met an That's Iowa great. fan this, this past week. And he's been, Oh man, my offense is so bad. And I'm sitting there looking at him with like a Virginia Tech and Virginia Tech shirt on and hat on. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I, I, I feel your pain. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> defense. Our defense really, really came out and played a strong game. I said how they swarmed to the tune of 13 tackles for loss and seven sacks, four of which you mentioned were by APR. That D-line got after the quarterbacks and <laughs> these quarterbacks were both really bad. Yeah. Yes. And got he 
got dinged up at the end of the game. And I think he had a, did he, the quarterback end up coming out when he got injured, like towards the, the very end, he was on the ground for a minute. Yeah. And I kind of felt bad because he was getting, he was getting his butt. Kicked yeah. You're talking time. about Kern, the second yes. guy, right? Yeah, yeah. The second quarterback. I thought they might bring Griffiths back in at that point. I don't, I can't even remember what happened, but yeah. neither, neither guy was good on. Have you ever heard of game on paper.com? Have Mm-mm. you seen that pop up? It's it's an advanced stat kind of site, and they'll run the stats on all the games and whatever. But GameOnPaper.com had the stat, we caused havoc on 22% of our defensive snaps, wow. which is ludicrous. I mean, if you if most teams, if you have more than 10 or 15, you're having a great day. 22% of your snaps causing havoc is, is crazy because we had so many pass breakups. We had so many tackles for loss. We held them to just 35 rush yards on 31 carries. Mm-hmm. Our best defensive performance of the year. Yes, I would say uh, by far uh, Jenkins continues to improve. Had another nice day. Led the team in tackles. Six solo. Had a sack. Two tackles for a loss. We talked about and you just mentioned APR team. Uh, team overall stats were good. We held them three for 14 on third down. One for three on fourth down. Everything was 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 really solid and granted there's two things that two stats that i think are relevant to things that we've been talking about one wake this season was allowing defensive teams to cause a lot of havoc in the backfield and mm-hmm. causing a lot of things so we we performed as we should have um probably better than we should have but it's it's not all that surprising and two wake forest i'm not i'm not going to double back too far but Wake Forest uh, did have a really good defense in the red zone. Not necessarily a good defense overall, but they had pretty good red zone defensive stats this year, which is not surprising. We kicked two uh, or only two touchdowns versus uh, and three field goals uh, in the end zone. So we we did um, we performed very well, and our the game kind of shook out the way it should have based on what Wake has showed this year, and. Um, that's that's more than you can say that we've done in most games. Yeah, if you if you look at just the overall defensive numbers for the season, they it's kind of surprising because we haven't been very good. But our sack numbers we're seventeenth in the nation in sacks per game after this one. And and you said Wake is bad offensively. They let guys in their backfield. They had like ten sacks against Georgia Tech. Uh, but I don't care. We did what we were supposed to do, and you know, Bud Foster made that pump up speech in lane over the weekend. And we had joked like, can, can Bud come in and talk to these linebackers because (laughs) he used to coach them? Uh, Maybe he did because the linebacker play was impressive. We, we did some different things there. Tisdale had nine tackles. He, I think he's averaging like eight tackles per game over his last four games. He's starting to, to get into that mic role. And I, I said that the McDonald brother started at will, and yeah. Kelly Lawson came in and, and had some tackles himself and actually might have had his best game of the year as a backup in this mm-hmm. game. And so they're f- hopefully Marv is figuring some things out here, but just could not be more pleased with what the defense did. Special teams. We gave up the return TD, so that stinks. Yep. But that's all Wake did in the entire game. So let's let's just – that's okay. The fake punt call was great. Yes. And it was timely at the end of the third quarter. We got three points off of it. It allowed us to extend the lead to two scores. And they weren't going to come back from two scores down. I think that that seemed clear uh, after 
after they got their one special teams thing. Like they didn't score an offensive touchdown. That's the first time we haven't given one up since those back-to-back shutouts at the end of 2019. So that's pretty spectacular. And you can't ask your defense to do much more than that. And Love made three field goals. He missed a 48. That's okay. And that's a that's a long field goal. But he did make three. So that's nice. Yep. I would uh, agree with the, all of that. And if you take a little bit better special teams coverage, a little bit more heads up, and you take those seven points off the board, and it's a very a much different game where we're talking about like just absolute domination yeah. versus, you know, really winning by, by a lot. So great performance, great atmosphere, just an, an awesome win overall. I want to get to a couple takeaways and maybe the schedule down the road here in a second. Randomly, I want to talk about the refs. They were so annoying in this game. Oh. This was, it, it took forever the crowd could not get into it because there were so many reviews and so many penalties. They called eight on us, I believe. Yeah. And over the last five games, we're averaging about eight to nine penalties a game. So that is something we're going to have to clean up. But I thought it was just excessive. They were missing calls, yeah. and then they were over-calling on things that shouldn't have been called. And for both teams, it wasn't yeah. even... It, it was... It makes it so hard to watch when they just mm-hmm. can't keep the flags in their pocket, and especially on, especially on when players are completely out of what's happening in the game. Like the penalty is all the way on the other side of the field, and it's a holding penalty, right? No, the play is completely on the other side; it yeah. has no relevance, and then they're calling it. That that kind of stuff just drives me crazy. Where it's like, dude. If, if you're trying to send a message, the guy's going to be holding on the next play when it is relevant, call it on that one. Right. If, right. It don't, you don't need to just do it at random times. That's not relevant to the actual play. I watched so much college football this past weekend. Was our game the one with the phantom face mask where like they called yeah. us for a face mask and it wasn't one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, before we get to our takeaways and our picks, I just wanted to mention Roback to you guys. 2D Pokies Under the Influence is brought to you by Roback, performance activewear designed for those who crave activity. It's the polo company that brought you the maroon polo with the orange Virginias, the white polo with the maroon Virginias, and now they have the Berg, which is their quarter zip with kind of a two-tone maroon. Right now, they're offering our listeners 20% off their first order using code 2DEEPVT. They have hoodies, tees, quarter zips, joggers, women's stuff, and of course their polos. Uh, please go to the site, load up your cart, and use code 2DVT. Get your wife to order this time. You might be able to get that discount more than once th- throughout the year. You need some Christmas gifts? I know. Hey, it's not Halloween yet, but hey, it, it's there's that Christmas creep. Always starting earlier. Go to roback.com, put a no order, and use code 2DVT. It was nice to see a game where we were better in just about every facet. And it was the second game in the last three where, and you said this after the pit game, we looked more prepared. Yeah. We looked more prepared in this game. Yes, absolutely. Uh, And yeah, we looked more prepared. We looked ready for the moment, uh, if you will. Uh, And not afraid, not afraid to the, the defense, I thought, 
looked very competent and in control. It wasn't a defensive performance where we put up big numbers just because people were flying around and letting up big plays. It was good containment with pressure, which is the most exciting you know, form where it's not just like wild aggression. It's very focused aggression on getting into the backfield, but maintaining um, proper alignment and angles to, to kind of keep things in front of you. So the, the defense was lights out and drones was, was even better. You know how I like to create a fake argument and then rebuff yes. that argument. Well, <laughs> well, my, this was my, my fake argument is people could say, well, Pitt stinks and Wake Forest has an atrocious O-line and they're, they're terrible this year. Well, first of all, both those teams have coaches that took their team to the ACC title game just a couple years ago. And we didn't beat these teams by one point. You know, we beat them both by three scores. And so if they're bad, well, that's what we should have done against them. And so I I was extremely happy with that. And to have this staff, after the questions we had about them earlier in the year, Mm -hmm. put the players in the positions we're seeing now and have them prepared, it's a, a very good sign. Just like the sign of drones being able to pass his way to a victory. Because this is going to continue to happen. Teams are going to focus on stopping Tootin and stopping Drones' rushing and making him beat him with the throw. And he showed in this game against a team that was playing good pass defense. If you looked at their efficiency, they were top 40 in the country in pass efficiency on D. We made them look terrible. And so all of that I find extremely encouraging. It reminds me a lot of the 2019 season. Like, why did we have to do this again where we start the wrong, like what Ryan Willis, you know, we started yep. the wrong quarterback that season. We bring in hooker and we have a great finish. There's potential we, for that this year. It's, we, it reminds me so much of that year. I, I, I don't know that there's potential for it because it already happened. <laughs> Fair it, enough. I, I, is there, well, let me ask it differently. Is there any doubt in your mind? That we well, started what I mean is potential for getting like a bowl appearance, oh, winning, I, I, winning yeah, the fight, like keeping the, the run outcome. going. Yes, yes. Yeah. I think it's clear that we started the wrong quarterback. Mm-hmm. What I don't think what's unclear what you're getting at is what the outcome of getting the right quarterback may end up being when the season's all told up. Yeah, right. So because Hooker wasn't a flash in the pan in just the Miami game, correct? He he continued to play well. He had some injuries and QP almost won us that Notre Dame game. Cause the entire team just started to play better right. after we changed quarterbacks. But let's look at the rest of the schedule. Cause we got cues up next. And I do think Rocky long, the defensive coordinator for Syracuse is going to bring a little something for drones that maybe he hasn't seen. He's a very good defensive coordinator, but Syracuse is reeling. And overall they're hurting in injuries and their weapons are banged up. So there's a, there's, at home on a Thursday night, I mean, you got to feel a little bit good about our chances in that one. After Syracuse, Louisville, BC, NC State, UVA. What is your prognosis, prognostication for how we we finish this year? Well, I, things are probably not going to go well in that Louisville game because of what just happened. It, Pitt, Pitt, the ripple effect of what Pitt does to people has impacts mm-hmm. on other teams like us, which is going to, I think, end up playing out. It's like, they don't just damage like the situation. They cause like a ripple in the whole pond. Uh, so, so we're at, what are we at? Three wins right now. We need three more wins out of that stretch. Um, 
I think it's really doable. BC and Syracuse, I think, are very winnable games, and so is UVA. I mean, it's that's 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 three very very winnable games if this team performs even a little bit less than what they did in this Wake Forest game. They could take a step back and still have those be three very winnable games. I think the most winnable game left on the schedule, and this is this is actually a tough question, but I think it's probably UVA, even though that's on the road, because we always get up for them and they're just not a very good team. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to say that's the most winnable. After that, it's probably Syracuse. Yes. Being at home, I'd move to NC State next because that's at home and they've been struggling. Even, you know, mm-hmm. They have a good D-line and, and some decent players, but going to BC to me is harder than NC State at home, Okay, I think. Yeah. I, that, what do you think? Um, I think the nice part of going to BC and playing up in Chestnut Hill is you can clearly point to what happened to FSU, a team that we played before that game. You can say, listen, guys, look what happened to FSU. First of all, then you point to the numbers. You say, FSU, they didn't necessarily kick the shit out of you guys. And they went up to BC and almost lost up there. Get your stuff together. Let's, let's, let's get And just what we've game. done in our past. I mean, yeah. we've had, you know, we, I've called it a house of horrors. Like it has been that, that last Fuente trip up to BC, it got them canned. You know, yeah. I mean, that, that was, that was really, really ugly. So yes, so, there are things to point to. But I, I do agree with your assessment. Although I, I feel like there are some things that could make BC a, a very good, a good matchup for us in this particular situation. Okay. Okay. They've been running the ball well. And so our rush defense is going to have to continue to, to play well, to make me feel good. I think it's winnable. I, I there's, I'm not saying that I'm just, I'm looking at all these games and there's four very winnable games. And then there's the trip to Louisville, which, Hey, Louisville mm-hmm. just lost to Pitt. They can be beaten. They, and, yeah. and Jawar Jordan has now dealing with an injury. So nothing, none of these games are impossible to win. None of yep. them. Uh, and, but Q's BC, NC state and UVA, we, we can get three of those. And so my chances at a bowl right now, I'm going to put it at 60% chance that okay. we get to a bowl. Do you want to put a percent on it? Um, I think that's a good assessment. I think, yes, given how much hinges on this Syracuse game and this Thursday night, then I think the best I could do right now is 60% because that, that percentage could really would drastically change based on the outcome of one game, which is that, and not just because it's one more game, it's our most winnable game happening next week. Yeah, you could, you could, yeah. Absolutely. Definitely our most winnable home game left on the schedule. Yeah, sorry, so winnable home game. Yes. We got it. We got to get that one. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move to our picks. Huge game this weekend, Penn state at Ohio state, Ohio state, four and a half point favorites. I said on Monday that these two coaches have both had that narrative out there that they can't always get it done or they screw up in big moments. And so for somebody that's going to be perpetuated and someone's maybe going to get over that hump. Who are you thinking is going to cover the spread? I'm going to go with Penn state in this game because 
mostly because it's just top of mind. A guy at my club was just at the UMass Penn State game, and he mm-hmm. said it was. He's a Penn State fan. He said it was the worst thing that he's ever watched. He's like, it was an absolute <laughs> drubbing. Like yeah. you've never seen. Um, but in any case, I'm going Penn State in this one. Yeah, that line was like 43 points, and man, <laughs> they they just whooped their their sorry bots, dude. That was that was ugly. I'm wondering. I'm picking Penn State too, but Penn State. Yeah. I'm wondering if their offense and Drew Aller, like this is such the biggest test for him so far. Mm -hmm. They played Iowa and Iowa has a solid defense and Iowa wins games in weird ways, but that was a home game for Penn state. They just destroyed them. And Aller's been dinking his dunk in his way to this undefeated record. And you saw that maybe you saw the James Franklin clip where someone asked him like, are you ever going to try to throw it deep? And he's like, (laughs) well, what, what, we're just going to throw it for no reason. Like he had this whole thing where he was giving the reporter crap. But they have it, and oh. so I'm. And you might have to take some deep shots against Ohio State. I'm going to take Penn State because I think they're very, very good. Their defense is very, very good, and Kyle McCord has his own questions going into this game. So I'm going to take Penn State to cover. Tennessee at Alabama. Alabama nine and a half point favorites at home. Ooh. I'll go first. I'll I'll take Tennessee. I I mean Bama. Bama is weird again. They are my pick to win the SEC and go to the playoff right now. That is still my current pick. <laughs> but like... But God week in, week they, out, you keep picking against them. <laughs> well, I mean, I think they're going to win. I just think even Joe Milton could cover this nine and a half because yeah. Bama, they should have should have won and covered against Arkansas. And yes. they screwed it up. And yep. they they let them back into the game and, and whatever. So I'm taking Tennessee here. I know this is a rivalry, so maybe Saban will have them focus, but I'm still going to take I have Tennessee actually in this game. Okay. UVA at UNC. Why don't you go first? <laughs> 23 and a half points. Yeah, 23 uh, and a half. I am going with UNC to cover the 23 and a half. Yeah, it's it's hard not to. I, I wonder if they're come down off that Miami game. They're a little sleepy for a bad UVA team. That that could happen because I've been waiting for, for UNC to just have that. I picked Syracuse to cover against them. I think I thought Miami was going to cover against them. And here we are again. And it's 23 and a half to a bad UVA team. I'll take UNC. I don't know, man. I, they're, they've just, they're going to have a slip up, but I just, I don't know when it's coming. Michigan at Michigan State. Michigan State 24 and a half point underdogs in this one to a rival. That's, that's brutal, dude. Uh, yeah. I, this game is really weird because Michigan State has a history of beating Michigan when you just don't expect it to happen. So I feel like I, the cover is not really the discussion here. Either Michigan is going to just do what they're supposed to and win by like 40 points, or Michigan State's going to win the game outright. Mm-hmm. Like they, there's no in between for me. And I have more confidence that this year Michigan is prepared to blow the doors off Michigan State more so than Michigan State pulling an upset. So I'm going to go with Michigan. I'm going to take Michigan State. I don't like it. They should have beat Rutgers last week, and they didn't do that. But 24 and a half in, in a rivalry game just seems crazy. So I, I'm going to I'm gonna go with the Spartans. And then final game, we're going to pick Duke at Florida State. Florida State, 14 and a half point favorites at home. 
I'm assuming Riley Leonard is not playing. I, I, I don't think the spread would be this big, right? If he was. Yeah. So I think the spread probably answers that question. I still have Duke in, in this game. I, I still think they're well coached. I think Elko's still doing a fantastic job despite not having Riley Leonard. So I'm, I'm going to go with Duke in this one. I'm also taking Duke. I think it's too many points. Their defense is good. I just talked about how Florida State is is not always doesn't always play a complete game. I'm mm-hmm. going to go with Duke. There's there's not a ton of awesome action out there. You do have the ranked matchup with Tennessee and Alabama, and of course the Penn State Ohio State. I'm just looking at some of these other ones. Uh, UCLA Stanford. That's a bit of a rivalry. Utah USC not on the picks list, but. Could be a very interesting game. USC favored by seven now in that one. Oh, and I, I, that is that just like a bounce back? You know, they just so. they look so terrible that they're going to cover that points. But yeah, I think that's probably what we're looking at there. I think in the SEC, is it uh, is it the cocktail party this weekend? Um, no, no, it's not. Not no. yet. They're, Florida and Georgia are on a bye. Yeah. Um, Mississippi, Ole Miss and Auburn. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Mississippi State, Arkansas for the basement of the SEC West. <laughs> that should be interesting. Not yeah, in the then, basement, um, but Arkansas is still. They just showed it against Alabama. They're still, they're still doing it. There's an anxiety bowl. Uh, well, not an anxiety bowl. That's wrong. That's going to be with the ACC, Clemson, and Miami because mm-hmm. someone is getting a third loss in that game. Ooh. Dabo or Crystal Ball, and that's gonna that's gonna create some heat. But Shane Beamer, did you see any of his commentary after the fact? No. Is he tripping he was off? he was pointing some fingers uh, after the game about you know his guys not getting being in the right calls or the right pressures or doing this or that, and he just looked flustered. Uh, mm. looked, it was a little bit of an unprofessional look, and he broke his foot kicking something. Did wow. he hear that? <laughs> broke his, like legitimately broke his foot? He broke a bone in his foot, kicking something in frustration after the game. It's going to be hard for him to do the TikTok videos with a broken <laughs> foot. I don't know. So, someone said that the other day, like TikTok <laughs> champion, and uh, and he's yeah. struggling now. And I said the honeymoon's over. It, 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 it certainly looks that way. He did say, I think later in the week, like I need to do a better job. I was frustrated that I didn't put my guys in better positions to win. So he, he, he pointed less fingers after the fact, but the funniest thing I saw about the broken foot was Michael Scott with the two crutches when he burns <laughs> his foot on the, on the George Foreman grill sitting in a meeting. And they're like Shane Beamer in meetings this week. <laughs> Where he's cooking the, the bacon in bed with the George Foreman. I like to wake up to the smell of freshly cooked bacon. <laughs> I'm coming, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Uh, I said I would talk about beer briefly. When I came back from Vermont, mm -hmm. and correct me if if I've already said this, Rob, but Hetty Topper and Focal Banger, two of the great beers from The Alchemist, are in every grocery store and every Whole Foods in Vermont, which is just Mm -hmm. incredible because they're such good beers, particularly Hetty Topper. I know a lot of people have said over the years, like Hetty Topper's good, but you got to try Focal Banger because it's just not as, not as notorious for being good. Um, but Hetty Topper's is better. It is a superior beer than the Focal. And I've got both of them in my fridge right now. I was lucky enough to stop at one of those grocery stores and get them. But even after all the years of people saying how good they are, 
they hold up. The flavor profile of Hetty Topper still holds up and is that one of the original New England IPAs. Well, I never got to have one while I was still drinking. So thank is you, Pete. Right? This is, <laughs> never had it. Neither of us I ever had. So uh, one day on my deathbed, uh, maybe I'll, uh, I'll go out with a heavy topper. Yeah. If you, if you decide that you're, you're just going to have a sip here or there, which not advising that, but yeah. like you said, last rites, maybe you have yeah. a sip of that heavy topper because <laughs> it, it is a high quality beer. It's not as like full as some of those and which I like about it. It's a little bit of more of an easier drinker than some of those hazy IPAs that have come out in the last few years. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a perfect beer. Like the Hetty Topper, if you're in Vermont or someone's going up or you happen to be close to new England, grab yourself some cause it holds up. It's still a fantastic beer. Nice. I love it. All right. We will be coming at you next week, Rob. We might have to record on Tuesday night since we mm-hmm. have a Thursday night game next week. Okay. Um, so I'll be doing college football Monday, 9 a.m. on Monday. Rob and I will probably be recording Tuesday night and releasing Wednesday. But until then, enjoy the bye week and go Hokies. <laughs>